Welcome to the show, Paul and Adam in studio. Great to be with you today, my friend. Great to be with you, Paul. Pumping out the Radio Magic podcast. Yeah. yeah. Talking all things, all things life. Life. Life Faith. in Christ. Yeah, exactly. It's way better than life not in Christ, I'll tell you that. Mm. I'll tell you that. How you been, Paulie? True that, my friend. I, I've been good, you know, back to the back to the grind. Yeah. Of, uh, There's so much you know, gospel to be preached out there. The last show, getting back to school, yada, mm-hmm. yada work and whatnot it's kind of crazy and we'll talk a little bit more about that today but uh i kind of wanted to start the show a little bit early with a with a have you seen what did you say that is so interesting for real though i am for real which is like a big monumental thing that's happening here locally whoa which you know is is kind of (laughs) un kind of characteristic uncultural uncajun like down here is they're having a hot air balloon <laughs> festival right here. Yeah. Which is crazy. Well, what people might not realize is that you and I live in the same town, Crow, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful place. But if you ask me what kind of festival we might invent, I would have never guessed a hot air balloon. But there it is. Today starts the first annual hot air balloon festival. Well, I live Karen close Louisiana. to Crow. I have a Lafayette address. Really? But, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're neighbors, but... Oh. There is a lot of hot air around here, I can yeah, tell you that, from people and from, you know, obviously the hot air outside. But yeah, th- this is something that you don't see a lot, really, is hot air balloons. Right, not right? around here. And people least. are kind of intrigued by this. Kind of like, you know, when you see one, it's like you stop, you yeah, know, like, it's like, what the heck? wait, what is that in the sky? It's a hot air. We never see those. And so the fact that there's a festival, which I don't know, how many balloon, hot air balloons, how many people have these things? I don't know. There's going to be at least five, I expect. <laughs> Maybe a hundred. I don't know. Uh, which which begs the question to me. Like, would you do it? Would you go up in a hot air balloon? Yes, but I'd be terrified. Because I always see these things, like, tangled in, like, you know, power lines. Yeah. Uh, somebody, you know, dies in it. or <laughs> I don't know. I just You hear the bad stories. I'm sure there's good ones. But would you do it? I would once. Um my thing is the you're just in a basket, so like it's not like you're strapped down and you're just hanging out in a basket that's way up in the air. I mean, you see these things that would terrify away, me. Don't come down. Yeah, I don't. It's know. wild. But I guess we're taking advantage of the fact that we don't have any mountains or anything like like that. It's a good place to fly a balloon, I guess. It's not super windy. It's not. Which is, I guess, a thing, right? It is a thing. You get so blown away. <laughs> you don't want to get blown away in a hot air balloon. <laughs> Okay, so if there's some type of adventure, and if you're listening, like some type of like activity adventure thing that you've never been able to do, that if you could do, you would want to do, even if it was something you were afraid to do, but you really would want to do it, hmm. like skydive or something. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think for me it'd be pretty lame, but it's the truth. But I'd want to go on the uh, Via de Compostela pilgrimage. Okay, you just said a bunch of words nobody understands. <laughs> it's a pilgrimage that pilgrims do throughout the year, but it's a famous thing, been famous for centuries. But you basically travel to the tomb of St. James in Spain from various uh, beginning points in Europe. And they have these paths that pilgrims take in a lot of churches and or hotels or whatever. Isn't there another name for it? Well, it's called The Way. The Way. In, uh, in English. Oh, okay. Is that what it? And there's a movie. 
called The Way. Yep. That's Based a good introduction. That. Yeah. Yep. But uh, it's pretty grueling. I know a lady who's like seven. a moth. It takes a moth to well, walk. Well, depends on. It could take as many as three, depending on where you start from. You could go all over Europe if you want. I know people who, who and you walk who biked it as a family, and they did it in two weeks. But you're biking it, you know, like biking. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know this lady who's 75 who just did it. Really? And she was journeying with some like 30 year old priests and stuff, and they couldn't make it. They had to quit, but she made it all the way to the end. Well, you, you know, you just walk till like it's night, and then you stay somewhere. You stay somewhere like on the side, like people house you and you know whatever. Which would be crazy. Like, I just don't know if I can go that long without a shower. Well, people die doing it is the thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's, that happens. it's really not. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't take care of themselves. It's not like it's, you're, you know, you're climbing the peak of Mount Everest. Like, it, there's a trail, you know, and you mm-hmm. walk it. If you take care of yourself, it is an adventure, but you're not going to die. People who die probably have, like, some type of heart disease they don't know about. Well, let's or, say you're hiking through a mountain on the way, right? And you get hurt. So you were planning to stay in the next town, right. but you can't make it. So right. then you're like, well, I'll just camp out here in the mountain, and then you die. You go. That's kind of what happens, apparently. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I know <laughs> people who've done it. Obviously, you know, that's something that, that's a good one because it's a spiritual pilgrimage and journey. Right. And there are a lot of people who aren't Christian or anything who do it and have these, you know, these moments. and mm-hmm. um, But... Yeah. What would you do? It's not like I can go to, you know, my family and wife, hey, babe, I'm going to take a couple months. <laughs> no. It's I'm going to go work. hike the Camino. Right, the Camino. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's another word for it, right? Mm-hmm. You call it the Camino. I'm going to go, you know, hike the Camino for a couple months. I'll see you. Peace out. You know? <laughs> Can't do that. Can't do that. So but what, we could go as a family. What adventure would you do? So, I mean, I'm going to just go risky and just say, like, this is something I've always wanted to do, but I will never do it. I'm just going to tell you. Oh, it's a parachute. I really want a par- parachute. Why do you want to? Because I just think it's it's like, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's risky. It's fearless, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to be like, yeah. Fly like a bird. Well, if anyone owns a skydiving company out there. I don't want to skydive. I want to parachute like into like enemy territory. Whoa. Like with night goggles. Whoa, like, let's okay. Just, you, you just see? took that to a new level. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, if anybody's like in the, the military. Like the whole adventure. Like, I don't want, like, someone on my back tatad me. Let's, you know, let's skydive and, you know, woohoo with, like, you know, a camera. Like, I'm like. You want to go on a special op. Yes. That's what you want to yes. do. Yes. Let's right. just get down to well, it. Well, if anybody's in charge of special operations. Like, I want the whole special ops experience. Give Paul a call. Yeah. Let him go along on your next special op. Now, we could do sort of a, you know, a you know, part ways a little bit with it, like a, a mock, let's just say a mock special ops. So one of my friends was telling me that, you know, they have these uh, feral hogs, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of take over land, mm-hmm. uh, like literally, like destroy people's crops and it, it's like out of control. And, and they reproduce like really fast because they have a, a couple of litters a year and they, they'll have like 10 in a litter, right? And mm-hmm. then that 10 has another 10. Like they just multiply and then they eat crops. And so they'll bring in uh, the military to do mock ops at night with night vision goggles, parachute in, and then they will clean house on these feral <laughs> hogs. So that's what you want to do. That would be the dream. Well, we've got to make this happen. So... 
let's figure this out, man. So anyway, that that would be the adventure, right? <laughs> but I would also like I think, you know, a lot of times you think of these like for me, it's like conquering some of those fears too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for me, like conquering some of those fears is like fears of height, like just jumping through fear. Oftentimes, I say this is that fear doesn't go away; you have to walk through it. Like it's just part of an emotion that we deal with as humans. And I think fear can paralyze us. I know it can. It's paralyzed me. It's paralyzed many people. Um, and you learn that fear doesn't define you. Like you got, you've you've got to walk through fear. You know. So so this adventure for me is like also about conquering fear. And I think a lot of times we don't go on an adventure. And let's just say life's adventure. Let's just say um, taking risk in life or in work or with our faith. Like we don't move forward because we're afraid of what would happen we define ourselves by it we 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 you know struggle with the emotion of what would happen yada yada so for me the adventures you know there's some there's conquering fear the fear of heights jumping through it uh the fear of like fear of hogs yeah <laughs> fear of like the battle you mm-hmm. know fear of like like what if i don't do it right the fear of like being alone at night mm-hmm. you know like just like with these headsets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the idea of fear and risk is something we don't talk about with the gospel. Because unfortunately, Paul, I think when we give the message that, you know, Jesus wants you to live your best life, people take that as on its value of like, that means I'll be very healthy and, you know, like plan my life very well and everything's smooth and good going and like I'm a successful person and Jesus is happy. Together. The best life is having it together. Uh, right. Right? Yeah. And that's just not Christianity. No. I mean, you, the disciples didn't have it all together. But if you look at a lot of the teachable moments with the disciples, there was a lot of stuff that was about moving through fear. Right. Like, honestly, they're, they're you know, not only parables, but actual stories of disciples like caught in fear and Jesus said, no, 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 like we got to move forward mm-hmm. and here's how, you know, whether it be, you know, they're caught in a storm and Jesus walks out on the water, you know, they think it's a ghost, right? Because they're like, there's no way anyone can walk on water. They realize it's, it's Jesus. You know, he calms the storm. He calls Peter out into the water. Uh, why? Like, yeah, like move out of your fear. Um, yeah, it's just other times that he's calling them out of, of complacency when they didn't pray, when he was praying, right? Like, you can kind of go on and on when he when they couldn't heal people. You know, he's constantly calling them out of self-reliance, mm-hmm. right? And what moves us out of fear, right? If we completely rely on ourselves, we will totally live in fear. What moves us out of fear is, is the faith that God's going to take care of us, Right? Yeah. Grace to know that if I move forward, Jesus has got my back. Well, and that's why the Lord calls us to risk, not because he wants to bring out the best in us, but because this is part of our, it's really part of our baptized priesthood. I mean, what does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifice for the good of the world, right? And all of us who are baptized are baptized into Christ, the high priest. And when we lay down our life to Jesus, especially in dramatic ways, like we are offering our lives to him literally in that moment and it gives him glory and the grace that comes from that can help save the world. So anytime, like if, whether it's Mother Teresa who took the risk of starting her own order and even though it took years and years to do, 
that sacrifice, that risk became the source of the grace that would affect the whole world. And this is us in our life. Like if we live a very comfortable Christianity, we're not we're not being good priests. Right. You know, we have to be willing, you know, the Second Vatican Council says that our baptized priesthood is mostly lived out by our life of holiness. Right. But what is holiness? Mm-hmm. It's listening to Jesus, especially when it's crazy. And it's and it's acting, right? And acting on that, yeah. And we're baptized into in being priest, prophet, and king. You know, like so the 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 role of priesthood for all of us in our baptism to offer sacrifice, to uh, to be bold in our faith, mm-hmm. um, to take risk. Right? Uh, those things don't if they don't work out in in a sense of quote unquote the way we think they should because we want to have it all together. What ends up happening is that we think, oh, we failed at this. But but God doesn't look at failure that way. Like I don't even know if he he even defines failure from a human standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like because I, I think he looks at effort. I think he looks at faith. I think he looks at movement. I think he looks at our, our hearts and says, Wow, you know, that person's stuck but they don't want to be, right? He doesn't say that person's fearful. Like we're his sons and daughters. So he looks at us that way, and he desires for us to move forward, right? Yeah. Well, and just like in our Mass and other liturgies, there's little symbols that represent the big picture, like whether it's baptism, water becomes the means of the sacrament to happen. It's a symbol of cleansing, and it actually cleanses whatever. When we're listening to the Lord, and he has something crazy of us, and we say yes, that that action, that trust, that fear like pushing through that fear is a little symbol of our total trust in God. Mm -hmm. And that's why he doesn't just do that once or twice. He does that over and over again, just like we go to mass over and over again. You know, like we are a people of ritual and of liturgy, right? So as part of our lay liturgy, like the Lord's going to ask us to do crazy stuff our whole life. Absolutely. Well, part of (laughs) baptism that, you know, we teach is that in water we drown, we die to our old self, right? Mm -hmm. What's more fearful than drowning like to not mm-hmm. have your breath like you see what i'm saying like and and to be immersed in the grace of the lord baptism or in the grace of of his holy spirit is is to is to die to the old self right and mm-hmm. that's really scary right because we don't know what's ahead what does the new self look like what does the new life look like well i just want to kind of just keep doing what i'm doing i want to kind of stay where i'm at because it's comfortable i got everything together and the lord's constantly pushing the envelope of what um what what we can look like Mm -hmm. right and until we're fully fulfilled in heaven like He's not. He's not about complacency. At least I don't think he is. Right. Right. If he was, he just would have sat around a campfire with the disciples, and they just would have had a party and did nothing. Right. <laughs> he was constantly pushing them to be holier, to be better, to to get it right, to dig in, to not be afraid, to understand the meaning of life, understand the Father, understand who he was. Like it was just this this constant tug to move forward. And I think for us, fear is one of those things. So uh, I've been praying this novena. Uh, Gretchen and I have been praying it, and then then I prayed it again. For those of you who don't know what a novena, novena means nine. It, it's a prayer for nine days, and there's different prayers, novenas. And I know people often think, well, just pray your own prayer. Well, certainly you could 
make up a prayer and pray it. Uh, just like you can make up your own song and and sing it, but there are also songs that you love that you sing that somebody else wrote, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. there's worship tunes and hymns that that other people write, and you sing it, and you're like, man, this is really uplifting. These are sort of like some of the prayers that we pray. It's like someone else wrote this prayer. It's beautiful, and I resonate with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly you can be spontaneous in the way you worship and pray, and certainly you can pray uh, a beautiful prayer that someone else wrote, right? Yeah. Or came up I with agree. and sing it. Um, so came across this, this novena called the Novena to Surrender, and it's, it's great because it's, it's in a season and time in my life where it's like, yeah. Now, I don't know if I'll ever not be in a season where I don't need to surrender, but <laughs> uh, the prayer at the end of, of the prayer, the, like the little um, closing prayer says, Oh, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Take care of everything. And, and that, that last line, just take care of everything, is like this, this part that you're like, really? <laughs> can you? Not only can you, am I willing to let you? Mm-hmm. Because if I say you take care of everything, that means I got to let go of how I'm going to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what's scary. Yeah. Maybe not for you. Maybe no, it it's is. just me. No, it's, it is. For me, it's more a fear of I'm still going to mess it up. In other words, like Jesus is going to do his part, but somehow I'm not going to do my part. Right, like my, my co-collaboration. That's where my fear lies, right. With, with the Lord, like I'm going to fail on my end. Right. Right. But if, you, if we go back to that story of Peter walking on the water and, you know, he does it like he tried and the Lord wasn't like, you know, just get, get, get back in the boat. Like you just totally <laughs> screwed up your part. Like this was supposed to be epic. You were supposed to walk, not fall, not drown, and you know, like that—that that was what was great. Like the Lord, you know, the Lord, you know, pushed through, went through his his where he where he couldn't. Like the Lord made up the difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, and that's what that's what we would call grace. <laughs> the Lord makes up the difference where we fall short, and I don't know. I think. Probably every day I fall short of what I could do or could be. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's my experience is that there are certain moments where it's obvious that God is taking care of me and my family and everything I'm responsible for, you know. There's certain other moments where I feel like, man, I'm not I'm not doing my part well because this is happening, that's happening, whatever. Um, so there's no reason not to trust him that if I ask him to, he will take care of everything despite my inability but at the same time i need to be reminded of that you know and i think that's getting back to our topic of like risk and adventure i think that's where staying on staying on the path of risk with jesus is so healthy because a comfortable relationship with him i will forget that he can take care of me in any circumstance i will forget but if i'm always on risk mode with Jesus, <laughs> then I'm constantly reminded he really does take care of everything. This is this is how the saints lived. The mm-hmm. saints were not just super awesome people. The saints lived in the the adventure of risking everything for Jesus. Amen. And yeah. that's where they stayed every day. You know? And and to bring this all back around, I think we do live in a culture that 
we desire adventure. Like this is why people go skydiving and parachuting and hot air ballooning and, and hog hunting, uh, hog hunting and <laughs> motorcycle riding and you know like you know like skiing like. But you don't not not that those things are like go do that. I don't really care. Mm. What I'm saying is like our our human nature is built for that adventure, and we we can find that same type of adventure every day when we follow Christ. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to, we don't have to do those things instead to replace this deep desire for us to be on adventure, right? Like mm-hmm. every day is like a risk. Every day is an adventure. Every day is like moving through fear. Every day is like taking a step forward. Every day is like getting over ourselves. Every day is about sacrificing. Every day is about loving. And yes, we certainly are going to fall short of that, right? But that's the adventure that we sign up for that the Lord calls us to. So with that, let's take a break. It's Paul and Adam. We'll be right back. God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam. You know, <laughs> I signed off on the last segment with a God bless. Like it was God bless. Like I was ending the show. Right, but it's not over. It, no, we're way. still here. We're we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your your radio ears are still listening. Yeah, uh, and maybe you're thinking, man, I wish I wish they w- would be done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know, but. Is there anything more painful than moving? When's the last time you moved? Um, like packed a truck, house. Ten years ago. Ten years. Isn't it painful? You probably yes, didn't terrible. have as much stuff back then, you know, because you have ten right. kids now. That is true. In but we had years. some stuff. But uh, yeah, it's terrible. How many kids did you have ten years ago? We had two. Two kids. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you have seven. Yes. Yeah, you just have more more people, more responsibility. We probably have less stuff, though, to be honest with you, because we've gotten rid of some stuff. Yeah, but you don't realize till you move how much stuff accumulates. Oh, yeah. Could That's be, right. you know, and we try to like clean out every, but we're so we're gonna be like just moving soon, like like houses, not cities. But it's just a pain. Yeah, yeah, I dread it. Well, I feel for you. It's man. like you just want to start over. Like, okay, let's just pile everything, set it on fire. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Or give it away. Uh, and then just start over. Like, let's just not even move anything. Well, if anybody uh, listening is a huge fan of the show and also owns a moving company, <laughs> get with that, Paul. Come make dude, his day. Seriously, I will cook a jambalaya for you. And I'll Paul cook can an cook. Etouffee. If you've never eaten Paul's food, I will Paul grill. Can cook. I will. Any, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. You have award winning gumbo. If I feed you, you will come. Yeah, because I mean, you cooked it for a priest who won a cook-off, but like it was really your, your gumbo, right? Nah, I mean, I was. Yeah, let's not go there. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
anyway, Paul can cook. So yeah, I can. Give Actually, him a call. I, I like to. Yeah, it's good. But it's you know kind of yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to put like fluff on your plate. Like you're going to leave, and you're not going to be hungry. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely not. And that's, that's what the Lord that's says. Louisiana way. Yeah. I will feed you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, we're talking about this adventure and this, you know, sense of living fearlessly, but, you know, you can't take that out of context and, like, you just wake up and go rogue, right? Right, right. Like, there's there's, there's discernment in, like, knowing what the Lord's asking you to do and how to live, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's certain virtues and attitudes that are that we all should take in living our faith to to be fearless, to, to trust, to rely, you know, but if, if you're human, like those, you don't always feel that. Like, you don't always feel like, you know what, I'm, I trust right now, or I, I, I surrender all the time, or, you know, I believe I have faith all the time. Like we, we, we vacillate as humans. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's times where you can just say, well, you know, I'm much so on fire. I'm just going to just do whatever and just go rogue. And, you know, this is where like really learning how to discern what the Lord's asking so that what he's asking, you can move forward in and be fearless in doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Fearless in your vocation, whatever that might be. Fearless in your work, whatever that, fearless in your relationships and your friendships, fearless in, in uh, the mission or ministry stuff that you do or volunteer for. But if you, if you don't know what the Lord's asking, then you just kind of you float around, you get really frustrated, and you just kind of just, you know, people who just kind of, you see them one day doing this, and the next day they're doing that. They're just all over the place. Yeah. Maybe even good intentions. Yeah. But not focused. Well, the only way to be focused is to be, is to follow that one voice of the shepherd who's actually asking us to do something, you know? Right. And since the beginning of this project 2,000 years ago, this whole Christianity thing, we've identified three sources of motivations in life, yourself, the devil, or God, right? And so to imagine that everything is God is foolish. Mm -hmm. Like we have to have a sober discernment of our desires, our passions, where we're going, especially if it's a risky idea. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so and not only and life's risky, right? Mm-hmm. So there's certain things that, like, you know, you can over discern, and, and when we say discern, is like really asking the Lord what He wants to pray and to and to to ask the Lord what what He's what He's saying. You can, you know, I don't know if God really cares where you go eat lunch today. Mm-hmm. I mean, He cares about you eating lunch, but like. Does he care if you go, you know, to, to this place or that place? I don't think you necessarily need to spend your time discerning that unless, like, the Lord's asking you to eat a certain way, like a certain right. diet. You're like, well, I'm trying to be disciplined, so I need to go to the place that has has a salad with grilled chicken, you know, instead of getting the etouffee. Yeah, but to really discern and and to be focused on what the Lord is asking so you're not fearlessly just, like, you know, just shooting arrows all over the place, right? Yeah, because you could ruin what God's actually asking you to do yeah. if you don't discern it well. You can, and you can ruin other people. Yeah. Know? So like you said, I mean, it's ourselves, God, or the devil, and, you know, maybe we can kind of focus in on, on, like, what does that look like? You know, so, you know, for all of us, like, you know, the first step of discernment is the desire to 
ask the Lord what he wants. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, humility. Humility. You can't you can't discern if you don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're like, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to go pretend like I'm asking the Lord what he wants. So discernment really starts with humility. It's It's humbling ourselves under the eyes of the Lord, saying, I want to do your will. Right? I want to be about you. I want to know what you want. I want what you want, actually. I want what you want more than I want what I want. Yeah. And that's really the hardest part of all of it, right? Of the whole Christian project is that we have to lower ourselves over and over again to get into the habit of not wanting what we want mm-hmm. apart from God. To surrender, yeah. to to be about Him, His will above our own selfish will. And what you said is like, there's God, ourselves, and you know the devil, and we have to get over ourselves and really desire to know what God wants. And the flip side of that is sometimes we can get so stuck into like, you know, what in a sense of like, you know, I want what God wants, and then we forget what our desire is. And, you know, discernment, it, it, it's like the Lord meets us in our desire. So we don't let mm-hmm. go of our desire. The Lord meets us there, and that's that's where we begin really praying and discernment. So, you know, after humility and surrender, discernment starts with an authentic prayer to really pray, begin to carve out significant time to to ask the Lord in prayer what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be anything, like a job change, vocation, a virtue he wants you to work on, you're discerning, um, you know, something about your, your children, your family, a move. Um, you're discerning where to volunteer, what to get, you know, all sorts of things. It's really asking the Lord in prayer, you know, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, I want to be about you, right? Well, and the, the issue with that listening posture is that we have to remember who Jesus is in our life. Jesus is the master, right? The, if you're a disciple, that means you're a student of the master, Jesus. And so, Every time Jesus shows up to us, whether it's in the chapel or in our home or at Mass, like Jesus is among us to teach us and lead us and guide us. And so he takes that work very seriously, mm-hmm. right? Like there's never a day that he shows up not ready to do his job. Right. We do that all the time. Right. But he shows up ready to teach us, ready to guide us, ready to lead us into eternal life. And so as we pray, a big question, like you said, is, Lord, what do you want of me? Mm-hmm. And he will always have a new answer. Like every day, there's there's him calling us a little deeper, a little deeper, because he's planned our whole life that way, mm-hmm. that each day we can grow in his grace and follow him in into a new journey, really, a new adventure. And so um, that humility and that listening, I think we have to realize who Jesus is to me. He's not just someone that I hang out with or someone that um, is in my life the way that other people are. He's my master. Right. He's leading me to eternal life every day. Yeah, and, you know, so when we're praying, we're asking, you know, there's certainly different situations. Maybe there's big things that we're discerning, mm-hmm. important things. Maybe it's just more, hey, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do for Lent? You know, or what do you want me to fast from right now? You know, or something like that, but, you know, maybe a big change or, you know, things like that are, are bigger. But, you know, in asking the Lord, it's beginning to learn how to listen in conversation, right? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, you, you, I don't know many people who've heard the Lord's voice, you know, vocally, like from the sky. But, you know, 
in our heart, you know, like the Lord speaks. So, you know, pay attention to your desire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even your emotion about how you feel about a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Begin to weigh out the pros and cons of the situation. But also don't think logically too. Like, so, so don't just throw out the mind and just think emotional because you then you're just making an emotional decision. Well, I love this person, so I'm just going to marry him. Well, logically, like, is this person good for you? You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, are you good for them? Like, is this, you know, and so, you know, adding logic, weigh in, weigh in, you know, the, the pros and cons, you know, so it's like, hey, you have a desire to go walk the Camino, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the emotions there, the feeling, the desire for the adventure is all there. But the logic in prayer says, this is not a good time, right? Like leaving your wife and seven kids for two months and go and walk the Camino just logically it's not a good right, time for that. And, yeah. and using god's wisdom there is like well okay this isn't the right time but then what is the adventure god's calling me to right now so mm-hmm. it's not like he's taking the desire away from the adventure it's just this specific adventure is just not the right time right yeah and i think you're bringing up a great point that i remember saint john of the cross articulated this well he said the steps along the journey or like following christ is like steps on a staircase Mm -hmm. where the top of the staircase looks nothing like the steps so like if you're walking up the steps of a building and you get to the second floor the room looks nothing like the stairwell Mm -hmm. right so the steps we take it's not necessarily gonna look like where we end up but it is the steps needed to get to that place a personal example for me is is discerning the diaconate you know right i took certain steps towards that that I had no idea was pointing me in that direction. Right. But then eventually the the floor became visible to me. In other words, I realized, oh, man, I think this is what the Lord is doing. But I had to take a lot of steps that looked nothing like that. And so that's kind of how the Lord guides us into risks and adventures is take this next step, take this next step, and then something blindsides us. Yeah, and it wasn't like you heard a voice from the sky said, be a deacon. It's just mm-hmm. like one step at a time, following the desire in your heart that God put there. Mm-hmm. And then over time, like you get to the top of the steps and it's like, oh, the diaconate. Let me, and then it was like, well, this isn't certain. Let me just move forward. Sort of like dating and right. engagement. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is, this is what we're called to do. The picture is becoming more and more clear. And that's the thing is like discernment really is one step at a time in prayer, asking the Lord. And he kind of takes you step by step. So, you know, you listen to your desire, your emotion, but then the wisdom and the logic, you know, weigh out the pros and cons of what you're feeling and what you're thinking, what you're discerning. And then I I really think next step, and Scripture talks about this, is seek godly counsel. Yeah. Wisdom. A lot of people discern things on their own, and then they get really frustrated when they make the wrong decision, right? Because they're just kind of following their quote-unquote heart, mm-hmm. right? Uh, good intentions, um, but seeking godly wisdom and counsel, I think, is the next huge step. Okay, somebody comes to me and says, you know, I want to get your advice on getting married or this job, and uh, so I'll pray about it. I'll give them my thoughts, my my wisdom, my experience, you know. But then also say is, don't take just my word right. and yours. Seek other counsel. Because if you're just like, well, Paul told me to do this, and I did it, and it didn't work out, it's like, no, you. there has to be a common theme that the Lord's speaking to you through that counsel and through that wisdom, right? 
So seek out two or three other people besides me and bring that all in the context of your discernment, of your pros and cons, of your decision-making. But humble yourself enough, right, again, to get that counsel. Yeah. Well, and that's what wisdom... So wisdom um, is often described as being on top of the mountain. You've been on top of a mountain before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's rarely been the case for me, but I have done it. You've done it. You've and it's, driven. It's amazing what you can see. Like, I remember being in Washington, D.C., actually in Emmitsburg, Maryland, outside of D.C., but I was on top of Mount St. Mary's, which is where the college seminary is, you know? Yeah. And the tour guide said, look, you see that red barn over there? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. He said, that's 60 miles away. Wow. And I said, no way. Because, <laughs> I mean, it just looked right there, you know? Totally. But being on top of a mountain, you're able to see all around it and see very far. And this is what wisdom is. The life experience we get where we come to understand how life works, how the church works, how God works, we can offer a vantage point that's a little higher. Exactly. But if we're not seeking that wisdom, mm-hmm. even if we're high up the mountain, we might not see the whole other side. Yep. There's a whole other side to this we're not seeing. Right. But wisdom is at the top where you can see all the sides. And so you're right. The more input we get from people with experience, the more we can begin to see more clearly all the sides of the issue and, and what God might actually be asking of us. Yeah, because when we're in the issue or we're discerning, like we're, we're kind of in the fog mm-hmm. of it, you know, and if you've ever been on top of the fog on a mountain and the fog's below you, and that's, that's what people are able to do who are on the outside is they're looking at it from a whole different uh, vantage point to be able to see different things that you're not seeing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is why the prophet, this is why, you know, they, they went to seek counsel. This is... This is why the prophets in the Old Testament would would give wisdom. This is this is massively important for discernment. To skip this step is to not discern. Totally. It's just to make a decision based on your feeling and your own prayer. And, you know, like I said, if it's going out to eat, that's one thing. But if it's a pretty significant decision, a job change, a diaconate, a vocation, a getting married, a moving a kids, a this, a that, right? Those uh-huh. are those are things that uh, we're not called to, to lean into on our own, but to invite other people into that discernment. Yeah, and if we're in the habit of saying things like, the Lord has asked me to do this, or God put this on my heart, so I'm going to go do it, without also having a habit of getting a lot of good counsel before we act on any of that, then we're going to be very reckless Christians, and there's going to be a lot of uh, aftermath you know, because we're going to walk into a parish or a small group or wherever and just impose our will on everybody else and then leave. And then we just left a big old mess, right? Right. But if we take that and go to our spiritual director or our good friends that we know also uh, seek God's will in their life and we say, look, I think God has put this on my heart. Um, what should I do with it? Because mm-hmm. the thing is, we don't know God's will completely. Right. There's no, no human being knows God's will completely. And so for me to ever claim such a thing shows that I'm not actually seeking his will. I'm seeking to be the guy who knows what God wants, Right. which no guy is like that. Not even the Pope. (laughs) You know, like we don't know exactly what God wants. We might know what he's asking us to do because we've discerned it well and we feel confident in that. But even then, it's not like a 100% clear reality. It's a very fearful, risky, step-by-step thing Mm -hmm. if we're humble about it. Right, and it's not till you're in that situation and you're living it that you say, okay, yes, this, this is obviously right. I'm living it. Like, I'm married. I don't question my discernment. Right, exactly. You know, um, but but other discernments can change, you know, jobs and, you know, things like that. And 
to seek that counsel constantly, even seek the counsel in your vocation to stay healthy in your vocation, right? Yes. I think it's important. And, and then, you know, from there, it, it's, you know, you pray, you seek godly counsel, you pray with that godly counsel, weighing in all the pros and cons from your own prayer, from the godly counsel, and then you 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 make a step, right? Like mm-hmm. you take a step forward and you say, Lord, like if it's your will, keep the doors open, right? If not, shut the doors and let me be open to what you want. Lead me in a different path, right? Mm-hmm. But if also, uh, it's kind of like the, the the spiritual attitude of, Lord, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna move forward with a yes until you say no, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some things that are a clear no <laughs> that you need to say no to then, yeah, and say the Lord's saying no, yeah, and usually and I need to move on. Usually, the godly counsel will point that out. Right. You know, if I have four people in my life that I talk to the same, through the same scenario with, usually if it's that situation, they'll say, this is not good. Yeah. You you should not do this. Exactly. And that's that's when we have to listen, you know, uh, and know that, you know, God's using those people and, yeah, humble ourselves and be like, yeah, okay. So, anyway, all right. Uh, instead of God bless, I'll just say, uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Adam Clark. This has fired me up, this show, to go discern some stuff. <laughs> like what? Like the next, the next risk. The ne- I mean, I'm living risk right. in, in some ways, but I got more to give, I think. I think I am, you know... Right now in my life, like with this novena of surrender, like, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Take care of everything. I'm at this place of discernment of like, sometimes we can overly discern in a sense of like, sometimes we just don't have answers, right? Mm -hmm. The only thing I can do or someone can do is just wake up every day and just say, Lord, I want to do your will and just move forward. You know, because some things aren't clear. Maybe you don't have clarity on the next step or the, your, your job or a change. Or, so it, you just do today the best that you can do with today, knowing that this is what, this is what you know right now. Right. Yeah. And, and that's one of the hard parts of discernment. Like sometimes it's easy when it's like a decision, it's this, this or that, right. It's discerning two good things. It, it's, it's this job or that job. It's this, whatever. And boom, you make the decision and it's like, okay, I did it one of the hard parts of discernment is just living in the unknown, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, this is this waiting, right? Yeah, the waiting is tough. But remember, you know, God's people waited for a long time for the Messiah. Fody. Before he came. And that was 2,000 years ago, right? So yep. we've had, And we're waiting for him to come back. I mean, waiting is part of the Christian identity. Um, and it's part of that cross that Jesus promised all of his disciples, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross every day. And part of that is waiting for him to lead, especially where 
I feel like I'm stuck. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, and that's part of the pruning he does for us. Like if we feel stuck, um, we, we begin to long for more in life, more in our relationship with him. And then he gives it. I, I always think about Pope Benedict Sixteenth in this regard, because as you know, since we're both Benedict Sixteenth fans, his plan for his life was to retire as a bishop and go off and read and write as he prepared for death. That's what he wanted to do. Yay. Like that was his plan. That's not a bad plan. It's not a bad plan, but God had a totally other plan and totally blindsided him by making him the leader of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, So this often happens that in the waiting, in the stuck, in the I'm just waiting for that thing that I hope would happen one day, you know? Right. God just surprises us. It gives us something we weren't even expecting. That's true. So uh, here's what I'm thinking unexpectedly. What? Six-pack of... Question. Discerning the adventure. Six-pack of discerning the adventure. <laughs> I don't know if that would sell in the, in the grocery stores. That'd be a good beer name. Discerning the adventure. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You should start a beer line called Discernment. You can... You can discern things really well when you have, have a few beers <laughs> it's not good discernment no but uh anyway discerning the adventure all right question number one so paul we talked about humility as kind of the foundation of good discernment and my question for you is what are your tips for growing in humility especially if we know that that's not a strong point of us like we know that we're a little full of ourselves or like to be the best person in the room. What are some good tips to kind of walk that path of humility a bit? Well, um, I I think it's, you know, that's a broad question. I think it's good. I think humility is a virtue. It's something that we grow in. It You know, it's not necessarily like a, a natural virtue that we're just, you know, born with. Some, some people's temperament might be more, uh, you know, they're more, have an aptitude of humility. Some people, maybe not, but it's not something that we all can't work on, right? I think we learn humility by the relationships that we're in and by allowing other people's opinion, other people's um, thoughts, other people's needs to come before ours, right? And so practice working on humility with the relationships that God has you in, you know, with your spouse, with your kids, with you know, your roommates, what, whatever, of saying, what would you want to do? Or what would you like? And kind of just making a, a conscious effort to put yourself second or behind, behind their opinion, behind where they want to go eat, behind what they want to do. And you, and you start to kind of grow in that humility, which when you bring that into the spiritual life and your prayer with the Lord or whatever, it's like, okay, well, I've been working on this. Like, wh- Lord, what do you want? Let you be before me. Love it. All right, question number two. There's a dynamic in our church where we have leaders, like we have shepherds, we have uh, priests, bishops that direct the church. There's also the dynamic of the Holy Spirit inspiring in all of us certain works or certain activities that he intends to bring about good in the church. So my question is, how do you, like... How do you have a balance of 
being a good follower of those God has put in leadership when you're discerning God's will, but then also remembering that we have an active role in the church. Like we, we don't just wait around for people to tell us what to do, but we need to be actively discerning God's will. Like how do you balance that being led and leading reality? That's a good question. What, what would what would your first opinion be? See, I'm practicing humility. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think God's will is going to be communicated in a certain way through our leaders. So, like, if our bishop, for example, wants something of us or would like to see something of us, we really got to take that seriously to discernment. Or our pastor. Or, um, you know, like when... there's See, there's some things that... You know, when, we, when we're under an authority, we don't need to discern fully. And you can take authority in the church or at work. So if your boss comes in and says, you know, I need you to do this, you don't need to discern that, mm-hmm. right? Now, if the this is illegal, if it's outside your job description and it, you know, like if it's those things, it's like, okay, no, or no, I'm going to, or if they're asking you to work more and it's going to affect your family, it's like, hey, can I have some time to pray, talk with my spouse, discern whether or not I can commit to that? That's one thing. But authority sometimes, or a lot of times, uh, gives us clarity on what we're supposed to do next. You know? So, you know, same thing within the church. You know, it's like, oh, the, you know, we're under an authority, just like we are at work or boss or whatever. Spiritual authority, you know, if, you know, then then it's like, oh, that's easy to discern, and I don't I don't need to discern that. Mm-hmm. Right? Cool. All right, question number three. We talked about godly counsel. I'm sure a lot of us are like, man, I wish I had friends like that, but it's so hard to find the people and the time to actually discuss these important things. So if I'm someone that doesn't really have people like that in my life on a regular basis, how do you suggest I start to include people in that way well reach out to people who are not in your circle first of all who are not your age who have been through maybe what you're going through right who are ahead of you they've learned from their mistakes they've learned from other people and even like people outside your parents if you're younger like you can get your parents opinion certainly but other people too right so so identify older people people who are uh, you know, your church or at work or who, who you know are spiritual, who are wise, and just say, hey, can, can I talk to you, right? Don't be afraid of that. And I, I think that's super, super important. So I think part of the discernment is identifying, you know, those people. So, yeah, be yeah. wise in, in choosing. But But there are people out there. Like, you don't have to, you know, say, well, I don't know anybody, none of my friends. It's like, no, you shouldn't be... You get your friend's opinion, but they probably don't have the wise counsel yet built mm-hmm. in, you mm-hmm. know, because they're in the same situation you were in, in the same season, right? Yeah, and wise good people tend to want to talk about life, right? Like if I went up to someone and said, hey, could we chat? Could I have a moment of your time? Those types of people that we know to be like wise good people, they're not going to say, I don't have time for that or no. You know, like they're going to want to share some of that life experience, right? Yeah, and I think we all should have some mentors in our life, people we we kind of lean on for life advice. Love it. All right, question number four. All right, let's say we are discerning a 
situation or like a decision and it's stressful, the stress of discernment. How do you manage the fact that God's not going to give us an answer right away to everything? How do you manage the stress of that? Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Take care of everything. So there's certain decisions that have a timeline, you know. So I interviewed for a job, and I need to decide in two weeks, mm-hmm. right? Um, we've been dating for eight years, and we need to make a decision, right? So sometimes there's a timeline. And so with those timelines, uh, it's like, Lord, here's the timeline, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to lead me. I'm going to weigh the pros and cons. I'm going to check my desires, the logic. I'm going to seek godly counsel. And then at the end of that time, I got to make a decision. I take this job or I don't, right? Or I take this job or that job. And then you go with with what your heart, your gut, the, the pros and cons, the wisdom's telling you. And you just say, Lord, I'm going to move forward until you tell me otherwise, right? Because I got to make this decision. And the Lord will will certainly like not leave you stranded in that. And then there's discernment where there's just not an answer. Like, Lord, I, I sense that I'm called to something or I sense that I need a job change. I sense in my heart, like, you know, we, we, we're, we need to move or, uh, I, Lord, I need more work, right? Um, but there's nothing immediate to decide on. It's just discerning and praying, like, for Lord to open doors and for the next step. And that can be frustrating as well. Mm-hmm. So, but I do say a lot of times on practical things, it's really good to put a timeline to your discernment because then you can over discern, never make a decision. Yeah, over discern. Yeah. I've been there. And God uses our natural ability to co collaborate with Him, to coexist, to, to co work. So, like, it's okay to say, okay, I'm Lord, I feel this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to make the decision, I'm going to move forward. And if it's not what you want me to do, I surrender and just shut the door. Bang. Bang. All right, question number five. In the world of, like, adventures, there are such people known as thrilled seekers, thrill seekers. So mm-hmm. they get bored if they're not jumping out of a plane or, like, driving mm-hmm. 200 miles an hour on a racetrack. <laughs> What's the balance between looking for that adventure in Jesus but also being a stable person who can, you know, be a good husband, a good father, which requires a lot of day-in, day-out stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the balance of... Living the adventure with Jesus, but also being grounded. Yeah. Well, I mean, find an outlet, you know, find an outlet that's good for you. Maybe, you you know, play a sport or do music or maybe your outlets, find a job that's an outlet for you that, you know, you, you know, you climb mountains for your work so you can come home and just be with your family. I don't know, but like there are people who are like, you know, were like, man, I'm just dying on the vine because I have this, this thing in me that just needs to do, you know you know, scratch the itch or whatever, mm-hmm. but don't like let that be the thing that leads you. You know, it's like, okay, wife and kids, we're, you know, we're going live in Peru <laughs> in the jungle because I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my adventure. You got to taper that within the lenses of your vocation. Love it. All right. Question number six, top do and don't for somebody who's just afraid to do anything for Jesus. Well, <laughs> talk I, to us. I top think do and don't. being stuck in the fear, it's like, they even get stuck in the fear of making a decision. So here's what I would say is like, just make a decision to do something like don't get stuck into doing nothing. Right. So with our lead professionals group, um, you know, we talk about the slingshot theory that 
there's times in our lives where where we're pulled back. We just need to let go and let it move us forward, right? So just make a decision. Make a decision to do something with your discernment. You know, go pray. Uh, say I'm gonna just I'm gonna just make that decision and move forward. But don't don't just not do anything, right? And I think not doing anything would just get stuck. And that's different from like being patient and waiting. That's an action of choosing to like really wait and and ask the Lord what He wants. So. Great show, man. Thanks for everyone for listening on the podcast uh, or on the radio. Uh, you can get the show at discovertheartofliving.com, iTunes, Google Play. You can share it. Uh, you can support us on on the website, on the podcast, all the work we're doing with uh, people, marriages, coaching, consulting. Adam, thanks for everything, man. Thank you, Paul. It's the uh, best six-pack ever. <laughs> God bless you guys. Talk to you next week.